this is Brittany. Welcome back to Real Time Talk. So normally the way that Real Time Talk works is uh, me and John go through The Adventist Home, which is the series that we're doing now. But before that, we used to go through the Cornerstone lesson. Um, essentially, over the uh, period of quarantine, which is heading into two years now, um, I've been having a really hard time connecting to God. And um, after having a conversation with John, we realized that I think that my the reason why I'm having a hard time connecting with him is because um, I was called, or at least I believe I was called, to help youth with my experiences um, and to be a bridge between the uh, secular world and um, God's world or Christian's world to, to be the bridge between the two to help people to understand um, how to make a decision on whether or not they want to follow God and to make an educated decision on that based on the experiences that I've had in the secular world um, and the new experiences that I am having and have had in the Christian world. So essentially, I used to do that by helping John teach Sabbath school at our church. And what we would do is he would teach the Sabbath school lesson. And then anybody who had any questions that were a little bit deeper than the lesson, and they were much more personal and related to their own life experiences, would come to see me. And I have a lot of experience with lots of different things, no matter their age, or what they're going through or where they come from. Um, essentially, I haven't had that over um, this whole quarantine time because um, our Sabbath school class became online and then people stopped showing up. And uh, honestly, the Cornerstone lesson doesn't really allow me to put my input in because it's it's much more of a theological um uh, lesson, whereas the uh, real-time faith uh, lesson, which was the age group just before ours, has a lot more things that I can relate to and that I can help people with. So the idea of this series is going to be that it's it's just going to be me. We're going to continue doing the Adventist Home and the Ellen White book series, uh, me and John, but that's going to be on a much less regular basis because, you know, with work and everything, he's very busy. So for myself, I'm going to be doing this series where I'm going to be answering some questions and um, I guess giving giving my input and my knowledge on specific situations or questions that either people have asked me or that I'm pulling from my life experiences right now or from the real-time faith lessons. I just want to preface this by saying I'm not a doctor. My advice is not medical advice. It's also not backed by an education. I don't have a psychology degree. I don't have an MD. I don't have a degree to back these things up. Essentially, what I'm going on is solely based on my experience and on my studies of the Bible, um, what I have learned so far as a Christian and what I learned being myself in the secular world and transitioning into the Christian world um, at the age of 20 um, or 21. I was 21 when I transitioned into the, <laughs> the world of Christianity. So um, essentially, that being said, 
Uh, I hope that you guys enjoy this and that you will follow me through this and that my experiences can bring some light into some um, situations that you might be going through in your life. Uh, this is mostly targeted towards teens, so people between the ages of 13 and 18, but if you are above or under that age group, that's okay. I'm sure that you can learn some amazing things from the Holy Spirit and from God through this as well. Um, but they may be just a little bit less relatable if you're not going through the same things that someone from the ages of 13 to 18 would be going through. Um, personally, I feel like I can relate a lot more to that age group simply because I went through so many things within that period of time from when I was 13 to about 20. Um, the array of different things that I experienced in the secular world were... Um, they gave me a lot of, of knowledge and experience in what to do and how to deal with things. That being said, let's get into our first topic. So my first topic is actually something that I have asked myself, that multiple students have asked me, um, and that I'm sure most of you have asked yourself at some point in time in your lives. So whether you grew up in the church or not, there's had there, there may have been a moment where you sat down and said, why doesn't anything change when I pray? So essentially, that's what we're going to be going over. We're going to be going over the feeling that we have when we sit down and we pray for something and nothing happens. When we don't hear anything, when we don't see any change, and we don't understand because everybody tells us, you know, if you want to see change in your life, just pray and God will do that for you um, and will change the things for the better. Um, and essentially, there's a lot of the time, especially as a teen, when you're developing through your life or honestly, at any point in your life where you may sit down and you pray for something or you pray for your life to get better, for God to put you on the right track and you get there and then nothing happens. You stay in the same depressive state or you stay in the same state of mind where you can't get, you can't uh, unclick yourself from the secular world or from an addiction or, you know, someone's sick and they're not getting better and nothing changes. Why is that? Why is it that sometimes when I pray, nothing changes? Or maybe all of the time when you pray, nothing changes. But you see everyone around you saying these amazing testimonies of how things have changed in their lives. And it's, it's beautiful and you're like, that's what I want. I want that feeling. Why don't I feel it? Why don't things change for me when I pray? So we're going to go through a couple little points. I'm going to go through all the points here and then we'll dive deeper into them. So the first point is consistency. So we're going to talk a little bit about consistency in prayer and talking with God and how that affects the way that things are changed or answered for you. We're also going to talk about challenging God or disbelief. So uh, when we pray in a way that is challenging God or we pray with without without the um the the meaning behind it you know you you pray something but you don't believe it's actually going to happen um the next thing is we're going to be we're going to be talking about is um not wanting things to change maybe subconsciously maybe not subconsciously but praying for things to change when you don't actually want them to change um and then the last point we're going to go over mark chapter 8 verse 18 uh, which is having eyes do you not see and having ears do you not hear and do you not remember? 
So essentially, we'll come back to that at the end. That's how we're going to wrap up the episode is with that verse. Okay, so let's go back to consistency. So when you pray, you have to be consistent. And I know that you're probably thinking, you know, why would I have to be consistent? If God is perfect and can do no wrong and, you know, he loves me even if I stray away or I walk away or I do something wrong or I sin, he doesn't love you any less. That is true. But let me put this into an analogy that we use often in our Sabbath school class or that I've used with multiple people. If you have a best friend and you talk to that best friend on a daily basis and they never answer you, how would you feel? But then when they need something, they'll text you and ask you for something and you answer right away. How would that make you feel as a friend? That would make you feel like you were putting in more effort than they were and that relationship is no longer uh, a best friend relationship. It's very much uh, a one-way relationship where you're putting in all the effort and they take and take and take and they never give back because when you need something, they never answer you. I'm sure most of you have heard people saying that praying is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. So when you pray to God and ask for things to change, you have to remember that you're having a conversation with the Almighty, with the King of Kings. You're having a conversation with your creator, with your best friend. And if you as a best friend or as a friend or an acquaintance or anything wouldn't appreciate someone um, taking and taking and taking from you and then never giving anything back, then I'm sure that it's the same for our creator. You can't sit there and monologue for an hour where you're praying and praying and praying and you're telling God about your day, but you don't give him the chance to answer. You don't take a second to stop, to breathe, and to say, what is he trying to tell me? What is he answering me with? And I think that's where the the issue comes in. When you pray and then you're waiting for this dialogue to happen. The thing is, is that time is different for God. So we know already that for, for us, what may seem like an eternity could seem like a day to God. Time is everything. So if you are consistent in your prayer and you pray and you continue to talk to God and you give him the time to answer you. So if you are praying and then right after you go right back to what you were doing and you stop listening, well, that's that's a monologue. You're not listening to his answer. You really need to stop after you pray. You know, you say in Jesus name, amen. And you stop and you let the prayer settle. You let it go deep into your heart. And then you know that if you don't get an answer right away, it's because it's either not the right time or you don't want to hear the answer. So let's go back a little bit into consistency. So when I talk about consistency, you know, if you're going to play a sport and you want to be an Olympic gold medalist at that sport, you're not going to just play the sport once and expect to win a gold medal. You have to continually ask God and talk to him. You have to be consistent. 
in what you're asking for, in how you're praying, when you're praying. You know, personally, I am a very strong believer that you should be praying not only once a day, but multiple times a day throughout your day. And in the Bible, it also says that we should, that, that, that was, we should, <laughs> that we should um, be constantly praying that your your thoughts should become prayers where instead of having a little conscience in your head that is talking to you and telling you what to do, you are narrating your life and telling God what is going on where your, your thoughts then become prayers. You know, you walk, you're walking down the street and you're like, God, um, this is what I'm thinking. You know, this is what I think I want to do for the rest of the day. Oh, that woman has a really nice skirt. God, please bless her. Help her to have a nice day today. I hope that she enjoys the time that she has today outside and, and wherever she's going. And you know, the thoughts that happen in your mind are going towards God. They're not just blankly to yourself. Um, so essentially that consistency in talking to him is a very large part of uh, why things don't change because you you definitely can't get on your knees on Monday and say, God, I am majorly depressed and I need you to take away the depression and then walk away, go do everything you were doing before and not change anything in your life yourself and then expect everything to change, boom, bang, bang, and everything is better now. And then you never pray again. That's not how it works. You have to be consistent in talking to him and build a relationship with him. He cannot change things for you if your heart is not open and willing to take the change, which is where we're going to go into the second point here of challenging God or disbelief. So like I said, you have to be willing to accept the change that he's sending your way. So when you pray, try to look back on your prayers or to look at your future prayers and realize how they are structured. Is your prayer filled with God do this so that I know this? Like for example, you know, let's say um, you're, you're interested in a boy or a girl as a potential mate and uh, you are essentially your prayer looks a little bit like this. Go, dear Lord, if this person is not for me, please send me a sign of, uh, uh, please send me something very obvious that's going to help me to understand. And then, you know, um, something happens and you're like, well, that could have been a fluke. I know that in the Bible, there are some situations like Gideon where he, tra he challenges God. And, you know, we tend to not believe when God answers us because something happens and we're like, well, it could have been a coincidence, right? So prayers that challenge God often don't end in the way we want them to. You get to a point where you're asking God for something so specific. And then even when it happens, you're like, nah, no, it's not true. So if your prayers are like that, where you're challenging God all the time, and you're challenging him to do something specific for you to give you your answer, I suggest that you change the way that you are praying. Because God answers you in the way that you need to hear it most. And if you ask him for something specific uh, as a sign, then essentially you're taking away his freedom to, um, to give you 
the answer that you need and asking him to give you what you want, which is not what God does. Sometimes his answer is no. Um, and then there's also the, the sense of disbelief where you're praying a prayer and it's not sincere. And essentially, sometimes those prayers look like, you know, um, God, I, I, I want you to take this fear away from me. Or I want you to take this pain away from me. But really, do you think that he will do it? Do you think that that prayer, do you say, Lord, I know that you can take this pain away from me and I don't need to feel it. Please take it away from me now. Do you let it happen? Or do you say, you say that and then you're like, five seconds later, you're like, oh, nothing has changed. Because I've been there and I've been there multiple times. I was living alone in my house just before me and my husband got married. And I used to be terrified that someone was going to break into my house every single night to the point where I was sleep deprived for months. I had not slept more than like an hour a night. I couldn't handle it. I was so enveloped with fear. It was crazy. And what I would do is I would sit in my bed and I would pray and I would say, God, the spirit of fear is not from you and I need you to take it away. And I know you can take it away and you can give me peace beyond understanding. And then I would close my eyes and put my head on my pillow and I'd hear a slight noise and, and be right back into the fear and, and then say that same prayer over and over again. I didn't believe that a prayer was going to stop someone from coming in to harm me, from coming into my home to harm me when I had no one to protect me. But really God was there to protect me and nothing ever happened to me and he answered my prayers. And the thing is, is that fear is a self torment. That is something that the devil doesn't even need to do anything and you put yourself in a constant cycle of fear because you're scared something might happen. And I mean, nowadays we call it anxiety or anxiety disorders. And I've been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. And that constant anxiety is not from the devil. I know your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, everybody in the church is going to tell you anxiety is from the devil. Fear is from the devil. Fear is from the devil. But let me tell you right now that anxiety is not from the devil. It's from you. You know why it's from you? Because the devil will give you something to be afraid of where sometime in your life he will give you one reason to be afraid of something that might happen and the odds of that thing happening are so low. But that thought sticks in your brain. And instead of you taking that thought and saying, God, please take this fear away from me, this irrational fear away from me and give me peace and believing that he can fill your heart with peace, you take that thought and you sit there and you dwell on it and it grows and it grows. The devil, all he had to do was give you a tiny seed, just like you know, they use the analogy of the mustard seed, where if your faith is the size of a mustard seed, it will grow into the, the biggest tree in the world as long as you let it and you, you nurture it, right? Same thing with fear, though. The devil can plant a tiny seed. And if you nurture that seed, it will take over your entire body. And you become so enthralled in this what if and maybe and overthinking and what are they thinking of me? And you're so stuck in this, this, this torture 
And the thing is, is that anxiety is the only self-inflicted pain that God cannot take away from you because it's self-inflicted. So deep down inside you, you don't want to let it go. And that's where that disbelief comes from. You're praying for it to go away, but you're holding on to it so tight. You're not letting it go. And that's where we come into the third point here, not wanting things to change. So medically, we call, um, you know, I don't have a medical degree. I don't have a psychology degree. I have studied psychology to an extent, but not to the extent where I can know exactly what everything is. There are cases of anxiety disorders, of depression, um, of PTSD, you know, of any mental health type disorder um, that do need medical that do need medical attention. You know, they they are a chemical imbalance. There's actually something wrong or something that happened, and you need it. And you know what? I'll be the first to admit, I'm in therapy, and I'm also on antidepressants right now. Because I am having a really hard time dealing with my, the, the way that my body is functioning when it comes to dealing with my emotions and dealing with the world. And the thing is, is that there are certain types of depression, though, that they come with a sense of self-infliction. And that self-infliction is not wanting things to change. I don't know if you have ever heard the saying, misery loves company. And the thing is, is that anxiety, depression, and things like that, they dwell in your heart. And they're alone. They're lonely. And they want all of you to put all of your energy into them. That misery wants all of your energy and wants it all to go into that little ball of things. So let's take an example or let's take an example of someone who is depressed to a point where they can't get out of bed and they're scared and you know like that typical that's often not what depression looks like but that typical I can't get out of bed I have no motivation to do anything um I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to live with this heavy weight on my chest and I'm just going to I'm I'm just going to survive and oftentimes people don't even want to survive and it gets that far to that point. When you are praying for things to get better and I know you've heard elders and people in your church, older people saying, you know, depression and anxiety, oh, that's, that's just an excuse not to pray and it's just an excuse not to have to deal with the world. And I do not agree with that saying. But if you are sitting there in depression and you pray for it to go away and nothing happens, there could be a little sense of you that doesn't want the pain to go away. You don't want it to change. You don't really want things to change either because, you know, when you're down, people give you the attention that you need to get better. And it really, really sucks that it takes someone to be in that horrible of a state for other people to give them the attention that they need. It's really, really sad. And that's a whole other conversation. That's a problem with society. But there's a part of you that says when I'm sad and when I'm depressed and when I stay in my bed and I don't move, someone will come see me. Someone will try to take care of me. 
And when I text you out of the blue and I say, I'm not okay, they answer you. They take the time to be with you. So when you pray that you want things to change and you want to be happy and you want things to be normal again, do you really though? Do you want to give up? Is it worth it to you to give up the comfort that you have in the darkness and in the pain to be happy? Because who knows? It's unknown to you if you're ever going to have the attention that people are giving you when you're sad, when you're happy, when you're joyful, when you're at peace. So that's something that needs to change in your mindset. You need to become aware of it and you need to fight it. Ellen White says in one of her books that our emotions are important to acknowledge, but they cannot rule us. When you get to a point where your emotions are ruling everything that you are and you cannot make decisions against your emotions, you are at a point where you are far gone and you need to punch your emotions in the face and fight back for a second. And you know what? I came to that conclusion not long ago myself because I was letting my depression take over. I was letting everything take over, like I let my fear take over, like I let my depression take over, like I let everything take over because all I wanted was for God to come home. I wanted Christ to come back and I wanted him to hold me and I wanted to be done with all the horrible things that happen in the world. I am tired so so tired of things being the way that they are and I can't fix them myself so what's the point of living right what's the point where I where I was at in my life I got to a point where I said there is no point in living anymore it would be much easier if I died because if I died I would be asleep and all I would have to do is wake up when Christ comes back But I want you to know that God sent you here for a reason. He sent you here for a reason and it was not for you to lay in your bed and to be enveloped by pain and by fear and by sadness. He brought you here to be at peace so you could change the lives of those who need it. So that you could bring the sheep that has gone astray back to the 99. So that you could make a difference in not only your life but everyone's life that you're around. If you don't want things to change, you need to admit that to yourself so that you can fight that feeling because it's not from you. That is from the devil. The devil puts that feeling in us that there's nothing better on the other side, that we say the grass is greener on the other side, but is it really? It's that fear of the unknown. But let me tell you that it is greener on the other side. When you follow God and when you truly let go of the pain that the world is causing you and you say, God, it's up to you. I have nothing left. I have no energy left. I I, I am at rock bottom. I need you to take over and I will just let you tell me what to do and I'll do it because I'm done. He will take you into his hand and give you peace and fill your heart and your soul and your entire being with so much love that you won't know what to do with it. You're going to feel like you're bipolar and you went from a low and now you're in a high because you're, you're up here. And the thing is, is that you cannot get addicted to that high. You cannot get to the point where that high is everything that you live for because that high isn't always going to stay. 
If you let Christ live in your heart, what he will give you is peace and calm, even if the world is spiraling into a fiery pit of I don't know what. You can get to a point with God that if you let things change, he knows what you need. And if you aren't willing to give up the things that he's telling you that you need to give up, then unfortunately you're going to stay where you're at. Because when you ask him for things to change, do you say, Lord, anything that you need me to change, I will do as long as it means that I can have peace and I can be with you. Except I can't leave my boyfriend. I can't talk back to my mom. I can't, uh, I can't, you know, I can't think of anything else. I don't know. I can't, something that you're really attached to, right? You know, I can't put my phone down. I can't. Uh, I can't sell my house. I can't, you know, move out. I can't um, get rid of that friend that I've been hanging out with since I was two. You, you can't have exceptions to your prayer. If you want things to truly change, you have to get to a point where you have nothing to lose. And the thing is, is that, you know, if God says, I need you to break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, or I need you to leave that friend. You may think that by leaving that person, you are creating a whole other problem for yourself. But God knows better. And if God takes something away and closes a door on you, he will open one that is so much better. So much better. You're going to be so much happier and at peace. And you're going to understand that whether... You or that person that you had to leave is so much better off when you aren't together. And if you think that you leaving that person is going to cause them to go down and you will go up, that's not the truth. Because the thing is, is that if they go down, they chose to go down. If they stay where they're at, they chose to stay where they're at. But if you go up and they also go up, it's because you and that person separating actually gave you both the opportunity to find where you needed to be because together wasn't it. And I'm, just, I'm focusing on people, but that can be a relation between you and your phone where, you know, if you say, I need my phone, it's my alarm. I need my phone because I need to talk to my friends or I need this and I need that. I need it for this. I need it for that. You know, I can't give up alcohol because if I do, this will happen. This will happen. I can't give up this porn addiction because if I do, then I'll be angry. Then I won't know what to do with myself. Then I won't have any release. What will I do? You have to get to the point where you're okay with losing whatever the world has to offer because God has so much more. And that's what it means when you actually don't want things to change when you pray for something to change. You cannot say, God, rid me of my porn addiction and not actually want it to go away because you enjoy your porn addiction. You're addicted to it for a reason. You have to want it to go. You can't say, God, I want my relationship to be better. And when he says, no, you need to let go of that person. And you say, no, I can't. You have to keep trying to separate yourself from the things of the world. And that's not easy. It's much easier said than done. It's really not easy, but you have to be aware of it so that you can be consistent in trying. And so that you don't challenge God and you don't 
pray with this belief. You pray, and you know that he can take it away from you, and you know that it might hurt, but you're willing to do it. You're willing to do it because you want things to change. So going to our last point, Mark chapter 8, verse 18 in the New King James Version. Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? We have eyes. We can see his answers. We can see what we need to change. He's telling us what you need to change for things to change when you pray about them. But do you see it? You have the eyes, but do you see it? Are you trying to see it? Do you believe that, that, what, that what you're seeing is his answer? We have ears, but are we hearing? We are hearing, but are we listening? There's times, I'm sure, where you've been in a classroom and the teacher's talking and your ears are there and you hear the words coming out of their mouth, but none of it processes and you're, it's just in and out and you have no idea what they just said. Is that what you're doing with God's answers? You have the ears and he's saying, get rid of that. Stop playing on your phone so much. Get rid of those games on your phone. Put an ad blocker on your phone. Don't go on your computer past this time. Stop talking to that toxic friend. But do you hear it? Or do you ignore it? Does it just go in one ear and out the other? Is it gone? And, that, and then you turn around and you say, why doesn't God change anything when I pray? Because you didn't, you didn't accept his answer. When he says no and says something hard, you have to accept it. And do you not remember? Think back to when he answered a prayer of yours. Think back to things that he has done for you, that he's brought you through. Do you not remember how he answered? What he answered? What he did, what he told you, what he told your parents when they told you their testimony. Do you not remember the people who told you how he answered and what you did and what you need to do? Do you not remember? You do. But do you not want to? Or is the devil clouding your judgment? Can you get to a point where your eyes see his answers and your ears listen to his answers and that you remember what you had to do the last time. So just to sum everything up, why doesn't anything change when I pray? Is it because I'm not consistent? Is it because I'm challenging God with all my prayers? Is it because I don't really believe that he's going to answer my prayer in the first place? Is it because I don't want things to change? Is it because I'm not seeing what he's sending me? Is it because I'm not hearing or listening what he's sending me? Is it because I choose not to remember the ways he's answered me in the past? I hope that this episode was revealing to you and that this brought some kind of enlightenment to you and help in answering this question if you ask yourself this often or if you've asked yourself this question in the past. And I hope that in the future, you can take these things and find ways to really accept the way God is answering your prayers. And I hope that this has brought a little bit of light into your darkness, if that's where you're stuck. Because I know that it brought a little bit of light into my darkness. And I know for a fact that 
not everyone's perfect and it won't always be light. It will be dark sometimes. And sometimes we just need to repeat our own advice because it's hard to listen to your own advice sometimes. So I hope that this was uh, enlightening to you guys and that the Holy Spirit spoke to you through my experiences and through my words. And we will see you or not see you because this is a podcast, but um, we will talk again next time. And I'm going to have to figure out a different intro for this one um, because I'm alone. So remember to love one another as he has loved us. And we will see you next time. God bless.